0: You're listening to My Living Death by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. I want to tell you a very personal story, mostly about miracles, love, and dun-dun-dun-sin. Did you? (laughs) That wasn't actually my voice. I can't really do that. The magic of editing. I don't understand why people think of miracles as these, these mystical, oddball, great, big, huge signals from God. I mean, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just things that we see every day, and we're, we're, not, we're not good at seeing them. We don't, we don't know how to look. Grace and I have seen them over and over, and in this story, our actual experience, we witnessed several in a matter of days. Grace and I had been together for 12 years before I recorded this in early 2020. We lived together, unmarried, for about 11 of those years. And of course, we were privately and deeply intimate with one another. (laughs) having sex. During most of that time, until about four years prior to releasing this, we did not consider ourselves Christian personally most of that time i was agnostic you know believing what agnostics tend to believe and that's that there is more than the body there is more than the earth and the world and all that and there's a universe and there's spiritual stuff but there's not one great big god creator guy who controls it all well until a few months before this podcast we had not been too concerned with sin except the most obvious ones like not killing you know not not coveting not wanting your neighbor's donkey. I could have said that in a lot. Never mind. But we got slowly deeper into Christianity over time and about 3 weeks before this I started taking notice of the sin of fornication. And that is sex outside of marriage. And as I had just started preaching about cleaning up sin, Grace and I had an argument and our most private intimacy was 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 one of the things that we argued about. At the end of the argument, Grace said maybe we should give it up and which coming from her was was a very unusual statement. Later on she said she didn't mean it. And and this is key here. She wasn't even completely sure where it came from. Grace and I had not been getting along before the story that I'm about to tell you, and and, and the beginning of the relationship was, was wonderful. We were madly in love, but it just there was a slow decline over the years and we started drifting apart and we started getting annoyed with each other and there were you know quite honestly I've I've seen a lot of relationships like this it's it's just you you don't we didn't hold hands we didn't say I love you hardly anymore after a while and we were not affectionate but by the last few years leading up to this podcast intimacy was you know deep private intimacy it was the only place in our lives that we had left that we felt like we were romantically in love. It was the only moment that we really shared that reminded us of the start that we had. And the idea of giving it up was sad and, and depressing and incredibly hard to take. But after she said what she said about quitting, I, I started realizing that maybe fornication played a part in our decline. So I started researching it, and, and I found, of course, that it's, it's one of the biggest sins we could commit. And I started to remember there were two times when we had quit for a while, one being right after Jewel was born. And, and during both times, the rest of our relationship got better and we got along. So, of course, I started praying about it. And, and as I would do this, I was asking God if, if this is what we needed to work on. And I told him, I, I told him how afraid I was that it would end the little we had left. And we'd lose us. And by that time, somewhere inside me, I knew it was wrong. What we were doing. The lifestyle we were living. But I was scared. And from God, I heard in response that it would be okay. That we would get the entire relationship back. And it wouldn't take long. Now I want to repeat that. The message that I got in return for saying I was scared that I was going to lose everything if we broke this, this sin, basically was that God said that it would be okay that we would get the entire relationship back and it wouldn't take long. So Grace and I talked about this. We talked about it for a couple of weeks or two or three weeks before we made the decision. And and we decided that for our child, for God, that it was probably the best thing to do to make the sacrifice. And obviously, you know, eventually... (laughs) There would be no way to to keep the secret from Jewel that Grace and I had been privately intimate before marriage, and it was something we wanted to teach our child to think about herself, but we still might be able to use our sacrifice, setting up a better example for our child. So on one night, with a lot of fear and uncertainty and sadness as if I was about to completely end the relationship, we took a leap of faith. And made the decision to stop the most private intimacy. Now, when I used to drink, I would only drink probably something like four to six times a year. But every time I'd do it, I'd get really, really drunk. And I just, I figured out that in Christianity, that's just not really acceptable. And especially for someone who wants to be a minister. So I quit. And that was really hard because... Oh, my God! Life is tough and 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 i w- I was able when I would you know drink like this, I was able to get some relief from life. I beat a food addiction, and I, like it was to the point where every single time I would eat, I would overeat to the point where my stomach hurt, and I was just really struggling to control my weight. And, and it, again, it came out of something from childhood. It was something that I used to overcompensate from other things that were missing. And that was even harder than quitting drinking because it's, you know, it was like, you, you can't stop eating. You have to have food in front of you every day, several times a day. And, and so, you know, that was incredibly hard. I quit porn years ago. Um... It was an incredibly addictive thing to me. It's something I had done for decades, and I I quit for the sake of my daughter. I quit because I didn't want to be the demand part of a supply and demand chain, in, in and in a thing that was that it just destroys people. And that, that was incredibly hard because that was like physically a part of who I was. Oh, these erp- earthly temptations are, are just embedded in my body. They're, they're really hard to kick. I've kicked them, but they're hard and they still give me such trouble sometimes. I still have cravings. I don't give into them, but I still have them. But this, this, this quitting, what seemed like the last connection I had with the human love of my life, it was the hardest addiction I've ever given up. In the next few weeks after Grace and I made this decision, there was anger, and there was sadness, and there was just outright grief. But again, remember what God said to me when I told him that I was scared to do this because I was worried about losing the relationship. He said not to worry that I would get the entire relationship back, and I would get it back quickly. And what happened less than 24 hours later, after we made this decision, was the first of that series of miracles I told you about. Now, keep in mind that a lot of people think about miracles and assume something has to be huge and dramatic to qualify, but they actually come in all shapes and sizes, from something as small as help getting into an otherwise impossible situation, to someone being brought back to life when they've died and medical professionals gave up. Basically, there are moments that affect us, that are next to impossible for a human to create. And I've written about a lot of these. Um, I'll give you an example. In an article called A Child in a Messed-Up World, The Story of Jewel, I told about a rainbow that we saw that was was virtually impossible. I want to get into the days that followed this decision. And day one, I woke up after a, a bit while getting ready for the day and... I had a strange thought. I looked at Grace and I just thought, I want to give her a hug. And it, it almost stopped me dead in my tracks because I hadn't felt like that in maybe years. I, I let it go. I, I'd gotten into the groove of not hugging, not being affectionate, but it just kept nagging me. It, it, it just kept nagging me. I couldn't let it go. And then, you know, maybe about an hour later, I had the same thought. And probably about the third time around, I, I gave her a hug. She was as shocked as I was. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> Years it had been since I had volunteered a hug. And later that day, I I had another th- kind of thought that was kind of like the one I want to give her a hug. I looked at her and I thought I want to tell her I love her. And it hit me, I I love her. And I, and I passed that over too. I mean, it was it was. Again, not something that I'm used to doing anymore. Or at least at that time I wasn't. And then that night I had another crazy thought. Like I wanted to lay with grace and just just to lay there. Just lay there, hold hands, talk. That's it. And I told her I love her. And I told her some other things. I, I appreciate her sticking with me. I'm glad she's my daughter's mother. She's an excellent mom. And it was odd and unexpected and, and certainly not my thing because I'd gotten comfortable with being at arm's length. And for years before that, I couldn't bring myself to say I love you or hug her. So it wasn't done under my own power. I made absolutely no personal attempts to flip that switch, especially to go against my comfort zone. Day two, I, t- I told her I missed her. I sent her a text and I said, I missed her. And I didn't mean just, I miss you because you're gone today. I meant I missed her. I missed our relationship. And I wanted to just, that night, I wanted to just have all of us, her and Jewel and I just have dinner together. And again, I said, I love you. Now that day, something kind of hit me, you know, being a gearhead and and seeing everything in a mechanical way. Even emotion in relationships. I, I started to see our relationship like a broken car. It was like it was, it was going, it was moving. But just enough to move. Not enough to, to really get anywhere in any good time or, or in any measurable time at all. And I started, it started to hit me. Why I think God, had, God wanted us to shut down this sin that we were committing together. Because you can't make major repairs... To a car when it's moving, so in the same manner, I I figured you can't make such major repairs to a relationship when it's being pushed forward, limping along. So I was looking for comfort that night, and and I found this sermon called "Dying to Self," and I listened to this guy talk about it, and I, and I remembered it it reminded me that i'm not capable of pulling off the kind of prideful deceptive idea that that i somehow could run things better than god i mean i'm a small universe and and that takes some explaining but basically i see commonalities between every living, every living system in existence and whether it's a an automobile an airplane a human being a solar system universe the earth they all follow A lot of the same basic rules of physics and a lot of the same basic rules like uh, basically birth and life cycle and death. And so I feel like, you know, you understand one. It helps you understand all the other ones. And I'm a small universe. I'm so complicated that medical science hasn't even figured my body out all the way or my mind out all the way. Medical science certainly can't explain where a lot of things come from. You know, especially spiritual things. They try but they fail. So I realized that the part of me that needed to like run the show with my pride and all that had to die. Had to go away. Basically the old me. I had to become something that God wants me to become and I had to do it under his under his watch and with his power, not my own. So by the end of that sermon, um it's a little bit cheesy but I started having this song pop up into my head and It's a podcast no-no to to mention copywritten material without permission, and I don't feel like getting sued. So I'm going to put it this way. The band name rhymes with Soriner, and the song name rhymes sort of with I font to foe what fov is. Okay, seriously? If you go and you type in a search engine, Soriner, I font to foe what fov is, You'll find it, okay, but anyway it it's it's I started to associate what this song was saying. It's this beautiful 80s song that um talks about figuring out what love is, and it's it's I started to associate it with what God wants me to know about love and love with him, and he didn't and and in that sermon that I was listening to, what I realized is that God doesn't want me to turn to my girlfriend Grace for my main source of anything to make sure I had help after a bad day. He doesn't want me to turn to anybody else for my main source of, of of guidance and love and comfort. He wants me to turn to him first and then after that be selfless and turn toward what I can do for others. And then what I need sort of flows in from that naturally. But this pastor talked about how great things would be if we would all turn away from self and concentrate on others around us and and on loving God. And I've heard this many times before, but not as profoundly as he put it. And so I tried to think of my own way to explain it. And so the Sean Keenan gearhead, nerdy, science-driven way that I figured out to to represent it was to think about a bridge, a bridge on a road, an interstate, a highway, whatever. If you think about the structure of that bridge, it's like every, every strut, every beam, every bolt, every weld, every layer of paint, it's, it's, they're all there to support the entire bridge and not themselves. A bolt is, is not meant to float in midair and support a car by itself. And what would happen if a beam of steel got a mind of its own and said, you know what? I deserve more than they do. Beams talk like that, just so you know. Um, steel beams. Um, you didn't know that, but now you do. It's a secret of the engineering world. It, what if this thing, you know, I have ways to cleanse my world of other parts I don't like? What would happen? The, the entire bridge would collapse if the thing went off to do its own thing, right? So I took the most scary leap of faith that I think I'd probably ever taken. And I prayed and asked God to kill the roots on the person. Who'd never known how to do things right, the person who messed up so many things, the the big, big, big part of me, the oversized part of me that thought I can do it my way. So, day three came after we made this decision, Grace and I, and I woke up and almost immediately started thinking about the past few days and what I'd learned. And I started crying. started bawling like a baby and and my kid was asleep and the room was dark and I just lost it. And and I hate to admit this because I'm tough but (laughs) the reason was I was just like in this total whirlwind. And I started to see all I could have and all I lost and all I've done to mess up such a beautiful harmonic system that God had created. Not just trying to put my relationship with God into a mode it wasn't designed to function in but I cried because I've damaged others. I cried because I disrespected a God who gave me so much love and care. And I cried because I've struggled to feel love and attachment my entire life. But I also cried because in dying to self and killing that part of me that wasn't doing things for anybody. And in breaking this sin that Grace and I were committing, I was being opened. And I could feel that. And I was picturing my family, my girlfriend, and my child in a whole different light, that all I wanted to do was uphold them. And most of all, I pictured God in a different way. Not as this like overbearing being who breathes down my neck making sure I do things right, but as this loving, all-knowing family member who just wanted me to learn the discipline it takes to grow, to grow into a love that he meant me to have, that he means all of us to have. For days, that song that I told you about was stuck in my head, and all I could think of doing when I hear it is reaching up and letting that love, that that God's love fall on me, getting rid of my pride, my sin, my comforts, and just letting God fill in the blanks, letting God figure out if I'm a beam or a bolt or a layer of paint, letting God figure out exactly where I fit on this abstract bridge. It was time for me to let go of the emotions, the, the comforts and the plans that I thought defined me. It's time for me to look to the people next to me and hope for what I can do for them instead of the opposite. And that includes Grace and Jewel. And it's time for me to become what God wants me to be. It's not what I used to be. It's, it's what I can be and what I want to be. And as that third day continued, I, I had this just almost overwhelming feeling of grief. Almost, but still not. I was still finding joy and peace and, and trying to rest in my father's arms. And I told Jewel I wanted to hear, a, I wanted her to hear a pretty song. And it was that song I mentioned to you by Sorner. She, play, she and I played it at least three times that day, and some by her request. She kept saying, I want to hear the pretty song, Daddy. So over the next few weeks, I came to realize that I was actually going through the process of grieving. It's a, it's a process I know really well because I lost a lot of people to death and a few big relationships. And because I know that the more we understand something, the less it can hurt us, I was seeking out and finding articles and video sermons and anything I could find to, to help ease this grief and help me understand the sacrifice that Grace and I were making. And in that process, I found, I found so many confirmations that we were doing the right thing and, and that we had been doing something wrong by living the lifestyle we were living before, not being married. There were sermons I'd listened to that made a lot of sense. And when they taught me one of the things that God wanted me to learn here and that that I need to know him more than anyone else. And because when, when every human has times when they just can't be there for me, God always can because of some previously incomplete situations in my life i was i was going overboard i was i was looking to romance to solve things that humans could no longer solve and i was looking to human love to fill empty spaces that confused and hurt me and there were moments after grace and i made this decision when i wanted to drop everything and just like crumble down on the floor and just just cry and even though i didn't cuz i'm such a tough guy remember as long, as long as I have my blankie, but yeah, it was it was full on grief. Absolutely, I went through moments when I'd be incredibly hurt by reminders of what I'd given up, and I'd see Grace's clothing or a photo or God, I mean, there was one time I cleaned out the head of a small vacuum, and I found some of her hair in it, and it made me want to yell or or take a magnifying glass out in the sun and burn an ant or something. Nah. I wouldn't actually do that because I find ants to be quite polite when they speak to me. Okay, now I'm just having fun with the comments on my media where people imply that I'm crazy for doing the work I do. Never mind. But the point is, in order to make this sacrifice and break the sin, Grace and I had to go through some real pain. You ever have someone die or leave you? It's It's... It's like you spend a long while in this fog of grief and you, you just stick your head out every once in a while to live your life because you got to interact with people sometimes, even though you don't want to. But yet in the midst of this fog, God's promise kept coming through. The promise he gave me that I was going to get the relationship back. And he kept building that relationship. And I was reacting completely differently in moments like arguments and outside hardship. I am now, like I was once before, I'm, I'm seriously in love with this woman again. I'm a 45-year-old man who wants to hold someone's hand and lay next to her and just talk. Like a junior high kid who, who's, who's found this puppy love. And in, in one way, it's like that puppy love. But at the same time, it's this like amazing, godly, supportive, forever kind of love and i'd been exhausted from many nights of of considerable sleep loss and grief and there were times when life in general would get harsh and my will would just weaken and sometimes i'd think about giving up and going back but the part of me that overcame was i i believe was a witness to the power and grace of the holy trinity that part felt strong and energized And informed and comforted by all the recent time I'd spent just imagining myself in God's arms. I was almost like a kid who'd been disciplined, but then hugged by his parent. I almost couldn't go on without a breakdown through this whole thing that Grace and I went through. But then I could go on. And I found this sort of thing happening a lot more lately in my life. The the deeper I get into Christianity, the more stable I feel, even when the storms get worse. I didn't give up. I couldn't. I knew if I went back without getting married first, we'd lose the relationship again. But in this hardship and grief, there were so many times of joy and peace now within our relationship. And we were just astounded at the pace that everything was coming back. And there were times when we were both in shock and even in tears over the transition from from thinking we'd never have us again to, to feeling it with so much intensity. And it was really painful to know how badly I wanted to have it all and not yet be able to do that. So why would I say all this personal stuff to you? I say it first for the sake of my Heavenly Father. The kind of love that Grace and I want, that I think deep down is what we all want, that kind of love is is respectful of the system that God made. And it's a reflection of his love for us. He's shown me that love through my child and, and through the woman I love. And you see every, every one of us, and every one of us who is in love with someone else is supposed to feel that way, the way that I feel about grace now. And now instead of getting stressed about how much time I'm missing doing whatever I'd planned and not getting to do it, I just, I just think things like it's okay as long as I'm with, I'm with my family. And then I want to hug her and go beyond that because I feel the need for her in every part of my entire body and spirit, not just the one, you know, part. It's not, I'm not going to get into that too much, but it's, it's a whole body, whole heart, whole mind, whole spirit thing now. And I also want to tell you because of something else. A a few weeks after we made the sacrifice, Grace said to me, it's so nice to have you back. This is the you that I fell in love with. And then she said something that is the most important thing that I want to tell you right now. She said, we lost all those years. And what I'm telling you, the listener, is many of you don't have to lose all those years. And even if you have lost them, there's something to get back as long as you put it in God's hands because that's the system that God built, and, and he's a genius. The more interaction I have with him, the more I see that. And when he sets something up, it works. It works perfect. It's perfect instantly, even if we eventually misuse it and mess it up. But in order to get into such an amazing, rich, incredible beauty to see what God has intended for us, we have to do it right. And that means letting certain parts of us die. Like the part that would choose comfort over long-term reward. And the part that takes pride as a solution to what only God can solve. We don't put water in our car's fuel tank. We don't eat plastic to gain energy to to go out for a run. And we don't bring leaves and sticks to put into our bank accounts. Unless we're five years old like I used to do. And it didn't work, by the way. Just don't get too excited about that. (laughs) And we don't run God's machine with the same level of attempted convenience and misuse. None of those things will ever work when they're attempted improperly. So one of the many points I have here is that we have to do it right if we want the biggest rewards, even when it makes us want to collapse in an uncontrollable heap on the floor. And that means following God's word, the manual to life being the Bible. That means breaking sinful habits and living the way we were intended to live, no matter how hard it is. And the other point is, and, and the biggest point is 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 that God is there. Cause it wasn't Santa Claus that told me to let go and I'd have the whole relationship back. And as sure as molasses on a pancake, I just made that up. It <laughs> it surely wasn't anyone else but but him that kept that word. I mean, he that showed me a miracle every single day. A, a series of miracles, in fact. Miracles that haven't stopped yet, that brought a once great Love back from the dead. And now we're married. And that wedding was beautiful. And all the things that led to it, this the the sacrifice, the the wanting, the waiting, the self-discipline, the the knowing that we grabbed hold of the reins that basically we made the decisions about where our relationship was going to go. For the consequences, made those decisions for us, and that day was a blur. It was just so like busy and hectic, getting ready for the wedding and all that. But it, all I remember is the love, the the colorful light that you know what came through the stained glass windows behind us, and the the words that we said to each other, and the the. the it was just, it was beautiful, and without giving too much detail, if you know what I mean, there's there's. <laughs> There's now this feeling between us during certain moments. It, it baffles me and I can't even describe it. It's, it's like this glue made of some kind of divine energy that, that comes between us. And, and no matter how good any kind of other relationship I've had with other women or with grace before marriage was, we, we've been lifted into this level that I can't even describe. It's a whole different ballpark we're playing in now. And all the previous intimies, intimacy before marriage with anybody or outside of marriage with anybody, it was just it feels like child's play. It was, it was nothing like this. And by the way, Grace and I tried everything for years. We've been to two different therapists together, read all kinds of books, watched all kinds of inspirational inspirational relationship videos. And that stuff went on with, for years with almost, almost no result breaking the sin and learning to go to God first for our needs and, and turned it completely around in a matter of hours. And this kind of love that, that outweighs and outshadows every other or relationship-saving technique we can mess with, it's, it's for everyone. If this broken mess of a human being can do it, you certainly can. All of us can experience this. You just got to choose short term sacrifice that comes with long term reward instead of the opposite. You just got to take those leaps of faith and ask God to help you by showing you what needs to change in your own life. Just lean forward, reach out to God, grab Him, and He'll help you by pulling you toward Him. Let your toes slip off the shaky little platform you've been standing on and leap. Thank you, God, because I finally know what love is. Thank you, Jesus, because you gave me and my family the chance at keeping that love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you show me how to do it all. And thank you, listener, for listening. You've been listening to My Living Death by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. Find more podcasts, articles, collections, inspirational videos, and much more at gettingtogod.com.